Welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, a show that would be doing just fine on YouTube if we ever bothered to make a YouTube series out of it, but we never will. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host, Dan Ludwig. That's right, we're too good for YouTube, and anyone who makes content content there is inferior to us. I've been watching a lot of YouTube content makers lately. I don't know why it took me so long to get into it, because I've just had YouTube on the brain lately. Yeah. Uh, I've found, like, a handful of good ones. I really think that the key to having a good YouTube and a good podcast, really, is to fully acknowledge how ridiculous it is that you are doing this. Yeah. uh, And that anyone cares and you are making any money off of it. The best YouTube channels are the ones that are just like, Man, I don't know. I sit here and talk about Taylor Swift songs for three hours, and people seem to like it. But, like, anytime anybody does goes into it with, like, a moment of just, like, self-importance, you're like, fuck off. Fuck. Do, do you remember, uh, were you on YouTube when the, the WGA writers' strike happened? And everybody on there was so hyped because they were like, it's our time. There's no TV shows. We're the TV. YouTube is the future. We're all going to be fucking millionaires. Like just that level of insane self-importance that happened. There was some real grandeur there, man. I don't know. It's delusional. Yeah. Making content for the internet leads to a certain level of delusion. Well, that was like early when like YouTube was like times person of the year and everyone was like you people are geniuses (laughs) look we've given the power to you the people prometheus has given fire to the mortal man you are like gods now and everyone was like yes my vlog is going to change the world youtube overhype turned everyone into m night Shyamalan simultaneously yeah you you know how like m night Shyamalan, like he made two movies and then everyone's like he's the next hitchcock and then yeah. he really started to believe he was the next Hitchcock. Yeah, YouTube became that for everybody. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, this this conversation's really going nowhere. Dan, we got an email. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> we got an email, Dan, and at breakingmayberry at gmail.com. By the way, I do check that email pretty regularly, so if you got something to say to us. If you got something to say to me. No, if you, if you, you want to. Say it to my email like a man. If you, if you want to get at us with anything, breakingmayberry at gmail.com. We got a, an email recently, and I hesitate to call this a fan email. It's okay. not a hate It's not hate mail. I was about uh, to say, should I, like, scrub all my personal information from social media for a little bit? No, it, it, it's, it's certainly not hate mail. It's definitely friendly in tone. The reason I, I say that I, I hesitate to call it a fan email is that there's no point in time where it says, Hey, Marty and Dan, love the show, just thought you'd want to know, blah, blah, blah. Or, Hey, Marty and Dan, you guys suck, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, in fact, there's no Hey, Marty or Dan. Okay. <laughs> this is just an they come email. In hot. It's just an email of information. And the information is about, subject line, cats named after the Andy Griffith show. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, I, I understand why you are down to business. You have something to say to us, and there is not really time for formalities. Yes, I understand completely, and no judgment whatsoever. Yeah, thank you very much for your contribution to the podcast. 
Yeah, we got an email from a, a person named Emily, last name here. And Emily wrote us, again, skipping the formalities, just jumps right into, My parents live on a ranch just outside a metro area, so people drop off animals in a semi-regular basis. Also, my dad likes the Andy Griffith show. Okay. Picture of two cats. Nice. Love <laughs> it. Into it. Always enjoy two cats. Uh, and, you know... It goes into these cats and their names, and I'm pretty excited. Like, I got a bunch of uh, cat pictures. Andy is a black cat. Opie is an orange cat. We go into the health records of these cats, like, which ones are still with us, which ones are not. I'm not going to read the entire email, but, like, we get into the details. Like, I know that Aunt B, who is named because she's the female cat and is very chatty, has recurring head infections and sinus <laughs> infections. I'm like, thanks for, I mean... That's that makes me sad, Emily. But it's a very cute cat. Okay. And then we get to a point where they run out of Andy Griffith names, but Emily keeps going and tells us about the other animals around their names. The Roombas are named Otis and Floyd. My dad ran out. My dad ran out of good Andy Griffith. You know, hang, hang on a second. I, I have I have to say something. I thought this was a typo at first, but Emily has written Andy Griffin multiple times. Although I think maybe this might be being written on a phone so maybe it's an auto correction so they ran out of andy griffin show names before the flow of animals stopped so here is this dog named carl pictured with my dad looking very sad after being neutered uh, a lot of details about the about the dogs how they were dropped off details about carl's uh, potty training the occasional carl still has the occasional accident but his very sad eyes here's a dog named ruby who is technically my uncle's dog but my uncle is in prison why so, are you describing this to me and i'm not seeing it live, why I am mean, i like not seeing these dogs you can go to our email man you have okay. the password anyway this is a lot of information so emily first off Hell yeah. yeah! Hell yeah! Like, quite frankly, I don't. I can't think of a better use. I don't want to come off as condescending here. I cannot think of a better use for our podcast email. Send us all of the pictures of your cats and tell us their their names and their stories. Maybe skimp on the health details. I don't need to know those. But uh, second off, right? Uh, your dad ran out of Andy Griffith show names, but he says the Roombas yeah, he used, are named Otis and Floyd. He used the two, well, the best one and the worst one on the Roombas. So, yeah, like... Here's the thing, though. Like, Roombas aren't sentient. You can take the name away from the Roomba. Like, just stop calling the Roomba Otis. It It's not answering to you anyway. I mean, the cat's not going to answer to you anyway, but for a different reason. So just take those names away from the Roombas. Roombas call them something else. Maybe Or Roomba. double name them. You can have yeah. the Roomba named, named Otis and also a cat named Otis. The Roomba is not going to hear you when you talk to it, so you don't have to worry about, like, oh, maybe the Roomba and the cat will be confused. On the just other double hand... Up. <laughs> On the other hand, if your cat is named Otis and you're saying things like, oh, no, Otis ate <laughs> the bathroom rug and is currently beeping and vomiting. Oh, uh, no. Otis yeah, is yeah. stuck behind the couch. That's yeah. one of two. There's two situations of very differing uh, severity. Yeah. No fucking A. So d and, what does the cat pictures? Do they line up to like the personality of the characters? I mean, they're they're Android photos. They're really quick phone photos. I mean, it looks like. Is the look, Barney one peeing on something like while God, looking Barney you dead in the eye? On. Barney showed up as a kitten and followed. Yeah, Barney is staring you right in the face, and, and Barney does not have a chin. 
I, you know, I, I feel like a real dick because, like, I keep talking about these cat photos, and I'm not going to share these cat photos because they were emailed to us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of messed up, and I'm not going to share a picture of this stranger's dad. But, again, I, I just want to point out, never, we've never contacted Emily before. This is... <laughs> As for, and, and there's no intro to this. So for all I know, Emily is just going around finding anyone who mentions the Andy Griffith show ever and just sending out this same email. Like, <laughs> hey, I got some cats. It's not addressed to us. But Emily's just like, you know what? I have these cats and people should know. Yeah. And, no. And you know what, Emily? You're right. A, ca- a completely valid use of uh, the Internet is to say, I have some cats. You need to fucking know about them urgently you don't really need a lot of context around that we don't have to exchange pleasantries here's some cats goodbye like any longer of that interaction is unnecessary and is in this day and age only more space for bad stuff to happen only more space for someone to say something to upset me so you just came in you got you gave me the cats you got out i appreciate the efficiency and the hustle i want to get back to the Roomba thing real quick i hate like giving human names to robots and things. Mm-hmm. I hate that we refer to our Amazon devices as Alexa or whatever. I hate the like trying to give them personality, but I get it. Yeah. Especially when it's like a robot vacuum and mine, like I own a robot vacuum myself and the comp, the product name itself is Bobby. <laughs> like it's called B Bobby B O B I. And like, I opened it up and it was just like, hi, the, the, like the man was like, Hey, I'm Bobby. I'm excited to clean for you. And I was so mad. I was like, Fuck this shit. Fuck this. I have to say, though, it's really hard not to. It's really hard not to say I'm going to run Bobby. I'm going to you know, send Bobby through this just to do that shorthand. I hate it. I don't want to do it, but it's really hard not to. Plus, every time it fucks up, it like gets stuck like under a chair or Mm -hmm. eats a bathroom rug. I get to go, damn it, Bobby. (laughs) Darn it, Bobby. I, 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 I get to do get to do king of the hill voices so anyway emily thanks for thanks for uh sending us your cats and letting us make fun of your email a little bit if you want to send us pictures of your cats whether they're named after andy griffith show characters or not or if you want to do something else on the internet you know you always get in touch with us breaking at gmail.com twitter.com twitter we are at break mayberry i'm gonna do this now and yeah. not do it later let's go ahead and let's do an andy griffith episode i'm gonna try to do we're gonna try to do two this time yeah we're gonna start with Season 4, Episode 18, Prisoner of Love. Originally airs February 10th, 1964. Written by Harvey Bullock. Directed by Earl Bellamy. The one-sentence summary from Wikipedia is... An attractive female jewel thief Mm -hmm. attempts to seduce Andy and Barney so she can escape from the Mayberry Jail. I guess that's true. Yeah, that's basically what happens. The, The... Thief is played by Susan Oliver, who I keep getting links to as if that as if she was anyone. Was um, she anyone? I kind of assumed that this was like like a, a TV hot lady, like like I Dream of Jeannie lady. When she we did an I Dream of Jeannie miniseries, I should remember her name. Barbara Eden. No, Barbara she, Eden. No, I looked. I thought she might have also been a, a Barbara Eden, but like she she had. She had a recurring role on Peyton Place, which was a popular like soap opera. She was in a TV movie. Most famously, she was also the like green haired or the green skinned dancing girl in the original like Star Trek pilot episode. There it is. That's why. Uh, That's yeah. why she's this. And I guess she directed a few episodes of MASH, which is kind of cool. That rules. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, this lady kicks ass. But, yeah, as far as, like, should you know who this person is, no. There's no reason. That said, so... So this 
is a very weird episode of television because this is basically Silence of the Lambs, but horny. But it's so horny. What do you mean, but horny? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's horny silence. It's sexy Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, it, it's it, it's a Silence of the Lambs, but it's meant to turn you on. It's what if Silence of the Lambs was just the masturbating guy? So yeah, this is this opens up with a a repeat of a gag that we saw back in I want to say uh, Man in a Hurry, where Barney keeps repeating the thing that he's gonna do. He's like. You know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to go home, change my shirt, go to Thelma Lou's, watch a movie. You know what else? Yep, that's it. Go home, change my shirt, go to Thelma Lou's. I, Jesus Christ, like, when Who you did this, this joke. for? When you did this joke the first time, it was, like, to observe how stupid it is. Yeah. And now you're just playing it completely straightforward. Like. Like, it almost worked the first time because it was one of those things where you do an unfunny thing for so long that it becomes funny they bailed out too early the first time they did it and they did it just like to to the point of it was annoying and this they just do it and then they're like all right we're done was that anything did you enjoy that time of your life dear viewer and again apparently america was like yeah we love it when you repeat things in a sequential order fuck yeah So basically, these two are just, like, talking about what they're going to do when they're off work, uh, because there's no work left. And then they get a call, and it's the North Carolina State Police saying, hello, here is work. Yeah, Yeah. here's here's some plot for you. Would you enjoy some plot? And Andy asks no no questions whatsoever. And I realize it would be real boring to watch one half of a phone call, but he picks up the phone. He's like, "Uh uh-huh, yep, well, we can take care of it. Okay, bye, click. (laughs) And he goes to Barney and he says, that was the state police. They're dropping off a prisoner here for us to hold. And Barney's like, you could have asked any amount of questions. Feels like we should have some information, but all right, whatever. Like, at the bare minimum, you ask the question, is it like a serial killer? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what? Just just so I can check really how much of my schedule I should clear for this. Murderer? And cannibal? But then they kind of have an argument over, like, well, you should stay here. I I mean, I would stay here, but, like, you could stay here. They do this, like, weird, overly polite kind of back and yeah. forth. You know. it, it This is, before we, we go into the plot of this episode, it, this does go through great pains to make, to make clear. Barney is dating Thelma Lou. She loves him very much. She is going out of his way to dote on him tonight, like, make him a meatloaf and brownies and like is waiting for him to come watch a movie with her. That's so true. Thumbelou is mentioned in this episode. So Thumbelou and Barney are on date night. So remember this entire time that Barney is bailing on his date for Thumb with Thumbelou. Yeah. It also seems to forget that Andy has a girlfriend too. Yeah. Um, like remember Andy is, I guess dating Helen Crump at this point, Crump at this point. I feel like they're just kind of fucking around. Like, they just seem to be so nonchalant about it. Like, they're not going, there's no, like, Helen Crump date episodes. They're not like, does Helen Crump like me? I like Helen Crump. Did Helen Crump have a weird slight against me that I'm going to spend an entire episode stewing about? I feel like it's the best one just because they both don't really seem to give a shit. They're both just like, hey, you want to hang out? Yeah, let's hang out. All right, I cool. love 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 your plan love your explanation here no this is just uh, the right the writer's room forgetting yeah 
as always. Like because we figured out there are no casual relationships in in Mayberry. You went out three times, you're getting hitched. So Andy says, "All right, I'll stay here. You can go." Barty stays there, and he's, like, getting everything ready. Andy, as he's leaving, looks out the door, and he goes, Oh, yeah, here comes someone now. Which makes me wonder, where the fuck were they calling from? Yeah, they were, like, down the street. Like, wait, do they have a car phone? No, they stopped at a payphone, and they were like, Oh, dude, we totally forgot to tell the sheriff's department that we were dropping someone off. Fuck, give me, like, where's a payphone? Yeah, so they were, like, right there. Plot possible explanation is that they radioed the police department. The police department called Andy, and then the police department. Okay, if we don't give my back. thing the benefit of the doubt, we're not giving it to yours. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay, all right. Yeah, no, uh, they they pulled over to a payphone five minutes early. And be like, oh yeah, we're dropping a prisoner off. We totally planned on it. You guys are open, right? You guys are good, right? Yeah, you have room. You you never have anybody in there. Cool. Yeah. All right. So. Andy leaves, the state police show up, they're like, hello, deputy, we're dropping someone off, will you sign for her? And in walks a 60s hot woman! Yeah! She's got a bob? Is that a bob? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, she's, she's got a blonde bob cut. With, and... with the two, like, like, like th- little curls that are like horns, basically. Uh, Dr. Mrs. Dr. Girlfriend look, yeah. Dr. Yeah. Girlfriend ass hair. Yeah. She's cute! And yeah. apparently, like... She's, they say that she's a jewel thief and they're going to use her as a stakeout or something to, c- they're, to collect They're her holding partner. her while they're doing a stakeout to try to catch her partner. And, she's and they, not... let her, they let her walk in with, like, her case. And yeah. She's like, 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 she's checking into the Ritz. She's, like, like got her bags and everything. She, and... I like how she's dressed. She's not dressed like a, like a, like a sexy jewel thief. Like, she's not, like, in, like, e- like a... You know, like a noir. She looks like dress- an airline stewardess. She looks like Marge fucking Simpson. Like she has. Like- She's wearing pearls. Yeah. She- She's wearing pearls the entire time. Look, they don't let you keep the jewels. <laughs> the sexy lady just looks like a fucking suburban mom. She looks like she's on her way to a PTA meeting and they're like, oh man, I'm hot and bothered. Like they couldn't put any effort into it. Anyway, Barney gets incredibly horny. Uh, yeah. Blisteringly and, horny. I mean, y'all know where this is going. She flirts with Barney. He, like, loses his cool. He's like, you can call me by my name, which is Barnard B. Furf. Yeah. Like, gets really jittery. Don Knotts does a great job of uh, selling the fact that he's very, very erect right now, <laughs> which, like... I I wish he wasn't doing a good job at acting at this thing in particular. I I can feel the heat coming off of his loins throughout the scene. He go he does a pretty accurate portrayal of horny dumb. Yeah, Horn, horny dumb. It just you know a feeling that it's it's a real feeling. I'm sure the Germans have a word for it. He just gets so boner stupid he forgets his own name. He's <laughs> practically humping furniture like. <laughs> he ceases to be a functional human man and he is just like an ape masturbating on the floor so she flirts with him a little bit and he tries to drop his name and things like this andy comes back once she comes in the music on this episode gets fucking sick it's ridiculous the music is 
all over the place. It is so it's violin and a melancholy, twinkling piano. It sounds a lot like like uh, the theme from Casablanca. It sounds like you must remember this. Da, 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 da. I was hearing like some Miyazaki in it, <laughs> like that sweeping violin and like a melancholy twinkling piano. It, but it's only the scene she's in. So I'm like, yo, know, can she just like stick around? Like she can be in the background, but it's cool to have good music on this show. I, I really enjoy it. I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think the music is good because it doesn't fit the scene at all. Like, yeah. It is so overwrought. But, by the way, I will say, like, as far as we're talking about film film influences here, this whole thing kind of feels like the seven year itch to me. Like, it really feels like she's doing a Marilyn Monroe kind of performance. Yeah. Uh, in the seven, I'm saying the seven year itch specifically because Marilyn Monroe's character that is just named the girl, or I think the girl <laughs> upstairs, and the prisoner. Like, she doesn't get a name; she's just the prisoner. Oh yeah, they never actually fucking name her. I I actually kind of like that element, like. It kind of makes her a little bit more ethereal, a little bit more mysterious. She just came in to cause chaos for a little bit. I mean, like, did, but I do. So she comes in and she starts working on Barney. Yes. And the thing that's like fucking cool about this character is there have been characters in the jail who have tried to manipulate their way out of the jail before by being really cool or nice. And there's always a moment where they go like, Oh, you got me, Andy Griffith. I was a bastard all along, and I like to do bastard things. And she does not drop the facade for a fucking second. Right. Like, she like she is on the on the way in. She is very sweet and polite and sexy and, like, trying to seduce them. And on the way out, even when she's been, like, caught and is, like, going away, she's still fucking doing it. Yeah. Like, so it, it kind of has this cool effect where you're like, we never actually met this character. We, you never actually like saw one moment of who this person actually is. You just saw the facade and she's in and she's out. Yeah. And she was just like, she's always playing the role and she plays the role well enough to get not just Barney's attention because Barney's easy, but Andy's as well. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into that, because I have some questions about Andy's behavior in this. Oh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of questions about a lot of people's behavior in this episode. Andy comes in, and he kicks Barney out, and he hasn't realized what's happening yet. And he sits down with his magazine, which is stock photos of random things monthly. Because <laughs> he sits down, and he's just like, he opens it up, and the cover has no words on it. There's no title of this magazine. It's just... A picture of, I don't know, a city, maybe Venice, maybe it's Italy, who knows? And then, like, a picture of, like, a wine bottle on the other side. So I can just assume that he was just like, yeah, sell me one of those books of photographs. That's really gonna help pass the long hours. A magazine with no articles, that's gonna be real awesome. That would be great for me in a situation where I'm, like, trying to look like an intelligent person. Like, you just give me a magazine, and it's, like, economics and science monthly, and inside it's just, like, pictures of, like, buildings and dogs, and I just go, hmm, yes. I understand the thing I'm looking at. Just give me, like, one of those that I can bust out in a waiting room. You could make that pretty easily. I could totally make that, and I might invent that later. (laughs) Yeah, like, so, she comes in Andy, Andy comes back, he starts reading his bullshit, poorly designed prop magazine, and he reacts to realizing who she is, like, it's a girl, 
like, and, like, he, and like and like the camera zones in on like a shot of her legs, like uh, like the graduate, basically, <laughs> just like and it's just like playing, wah, 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 like a saxophone in the background. And, and he's his reaction is immediately like, oh god, someone grafted women's legs onto this criminal. <laughs> what sort of science experiment have we led into our cell? Side note, by the way, we've had women in the cell before, and yeah. Andy said that by law, a female prisoner had to have, like, a fem- guard, like a matron there. Apparently, that's out the window. Yeah. Well, it's Whatever. out the window it when matter. you're horny. Sure. <laughs> they can't get Aunt B in this. They'll, she'll just spray ice water all in the, over the whole situation. They can't have that. We've seen a- Andy be turned on before. We have kind not seen of. Andy be debilitatingly horny. And he is immediately crippled like this is the most compromised we've seen him be by a boner i'll say this right like he and the prisoner they flirt a little more like she does a whole thing where she's like hey sheriff will you just sit and talk with me a while and they so they like have a conversation and they're telling stories man andy griffith cannot have chemistry with any female co-star no he's We've seen it happen once in one episode, and then they sent her away. And it was like it was like a breath of fresh air. But it's just like he is just staring at a wall, man. Like they are they aren't playing off each other at all. He, they are trying so hard to make the two of them be sexy, and it's just it's like watching someone make out with a with a like a a Buick. Like it's just like. <laughs> Like, a person, like, going to town on an inanimate object. It's just nothing. Like, just dr- like just drunk and making out with a tree. Yeah. A thing I have done. Oh, we've all been tree drunk. <laughs> we've, yeah. we've all made out with trees. <laughs> like, maybe it's a bet. Maybe you pretend like someone bet you to do it. You know, you kind of try to play it off after, be like, "All right, who owes me ten dollars?" And then they're like, "What?" <laughs> All right, uh, so, so I will say this episode lets the horny run on just long enough before breaking it up with some comedy, right? And Barney comes back. They fight over like the keys to get her things. They put up a bed sheet so that she can change without being disturbed. But then we get a sexy silhouette (laughs) montage of her undressing behind the sheet. Which it's like, it's played like the scene from Austin Powers. But the thing that like, she takes off a jacket and they're like, oh, oh, there's clothes not on her that was on her before. Like, she takes off the least amount of clothing possible. And they just kind of sit there next to each other and stare, which is, I gotta be honest, still a weird fucking thing whenever you see two dudes do it. Yeah. Like, I'm not gonna pretend that, like, I haven't sat with, like, you or one of our friends and be like, damn, that girl is hot. But, like, the longer you look at it, the longer it goes on, the weirder it gets. I... I got asked by a girl I was dating once. It was like, do you and your friends ever just like sit and just talk about like how hot girls are and just kind of like check girls out? I'm like, no, no, I don't want my friends to know when I'm aroused at all. No, we do- <laughs> yeah. absolutely not. No, I don't want to just be with me. Just be horny with my bros. Just like be like, guys, guess what? I'm aroused right now. You guys aroused? We all aroused here together. This is just a table of aroused guys. 
Yeah. You know, uh, shout out to the late, great Norm MacDonald, who pointed out once that, like, scientists believe that, scientists report that men think about sex every seven seconds, but I'm a man, and I know how often I think about sex, and the amount that men think about sex is every once in a while. <laughs> yes. That's that's the measurement, but scientists don't like that. That's very it's very imprecise. <laughs> that was such a dumb statistic that we all just took his face value to the point that like I someone told me that as a teenager and I was like, "Man, am I not thinking about sex enough?" That's Should true. I? Absolutely. I I did like Try it. Try thinking about sex every seven seconds. It's impossible. It's, you can't do anything. You have to have coherent thoughts. And a bunch of scientists were like, we found this using our powers of, like... Deduction or observation? Yeah. How the we, fuck do you even test for that? We used our psychic scientists to determine that all men think about this one thing at this exact interval of time. The thing is, you can't think about anything every seven seconds. Yes! Like, like no human being... That's not how human thought processes work. Yeah, and it was at the point where, like, I heard that when I was, like, 14. Which, which point... You know, you think about sex Probably. the most you possibly can. And yeah. even then, I was like... You're at peak thinking about sex. Yeah, and even then, I was like, man, I am really fucking slacking. I am not thinking about sex nearly as much as I should be, apparently. And I'm a failure as a man, apparently. Every once in a while, you gotta, like, answer a geometry problem or something. <laughs> like, like you've yeah. got other faculties that are needed. Uh, like, like, oh my god, I went 20 seconds and I didn't think about sex once. Am I not straight? Oh my god. <laughs> like, I'm 14, now I'm having one of these crises, which I probably, at this age, have about as much as I'm fucking thinking about sex. But this episode does think about sex a lot. Uh, yeah. And they let, they let the, like, staring and leering go on just long enough when... Otis comes through the yes. door! It's Otis time, everybody! Yeah! <laughs> Otis is here to make this show a show. I love this scene with Otis. I love this bit so much. Otis stumbles in. He sees that, like, there's nothing in his cell because they put it all in the other cell to make her more comfortable. And he just throws a fit. Yeah. And they, and they try to kick him out. They're like, hey, no, you gotta go home tonight. And he's like... No! <laughs> he says, you want me to go home to my wife? That's police abuse. <laughs> it's so good. Every single line that Otis drops in this scene is an absolute fucking barn burner. He says, like, someone's robbed the jail cell. Call the police. Like, he runs in. He's like, you can't kick me out. I'm drunk and disorderly. <laughs> I'm, I'm here on a legitimate 214. Yes. I love I Otis in this. Rights, and then they like force him out, and he's like trying to bang his way back in. And then they basically have to flip a coin for who has to go drive him home. And then when they when Barney loses and he has to go outside, they're like, "All right, one, two, three and they push him out. As Otis is like trying to fight his way back inside, <laughs> they, they, they just throw Barney out, and it's like he it's like he's been swept up by zombies in a zombie movie. He's yeah. like, "Ah, oh god." <laughs> and then immediately door closed. Otis is in this the show for like 90 seconds. 90 max. 
And it's the it, it it is every single line he does is like the funniest line of the show so far. Like when, like, when, when we give points to this episode, know that a full two thirds of them are from Otis's ninety seconds. Hands down, like it is incredible. It's just the best the show's ever been written. Best Otis has ever acted, and and it's just like fucking tight. And then it's back to being like whatever. <laughs> Literally the second that Hal Smith steps off show, it's like all right. Now, where were we? Nowhere? Awesome. Let's get back to it. This is where Andy and the prisoner have that long talk. Andy tells a stupid story. The prisoner has this moment where like, she's like, hey, thank you for not asking why I'm here or asking any questions. I just get that nice to have a conversation. Hey, can you help me with this lock, this box that they let me walk into jail with? It's locked. And they have a moment where they almost kiss whatever like the music swells and they get real close to each other just gonna throw it out there no 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 like let's just bring this to the police officers cannot have romantic entanglements with the people that they are that they are in charge of having in custody that is fucked up do not do that no 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 okay good yes so like let's let's i want to talk about both of these characters and the prospect of like trying to hook up with a prisoner in a jail cell because Andy's thing is, I think we, 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 the, the evidence is all on the table. He basically, he gets seduced. He almost makes out with her. He gets, the reason he doesn't is because Barney comes back. Right. It is unclear if he would have gone through with it if Barney hadn't come back, which is a weird point of ambiguity. Would he, he looks like he may, he was like resisting it. But was like, like it was, it was kind of like a weird, like, like end of Inception. The top is still spinning thing. Barney is, no, you you have something to say to that. No, no, no ask ask your question. Ask your question. Barney is trying as actively as possible to yes. be left alone with an attractive female prisoner, and he is yes. trying to find excuses to get into her cell. So Barney is. There's really. No other explanation to it. Barney is trying to fuck a female. Barney is trying to fuck a prisoner. Like he is going for it. Cause like I was kind of like going through a mental exercise of like, what is the best case scenario of the, why he is acting this way? Is he trying to make out with a prisoner? Is he trying to put in time so that they can get together after she gets out of fucking prison? No, he like, there's no, explanation for it other than he is trying to do something wildly unethical on top of the fact that he is trying to cheat on his beloved girlfriend who was waiting at home with him with brownies and meatloaf just sitting in the dark waiting for them to start a movie so let me tell you let me ask you this what is your interpretation of what happens next because the next scenes i think are very open to interpretation andy goes home and he paces around his house nervously, and Aunt B's just like, yo, what do you got you all, like, wound up high-strung? Have a seat next to me. Come here, sit down, read the newspaper. You smell nice. You smell like perfume. Well, I'm going to bed. That's exact. those are all the lines that Aunt B has. Yeah. And then he just kind of sits there for a while, like, smelling himself, and he goes out on the porch, and he, st- like, sniffs her on his collar. He's smoking a cigarette. He throws his cigarette aside, and then he starts, like... Not sprinting, but like like going quickly toward. He takes off off the porch and he starts going towards the jail cell. Why? Because to me, it reads very romantic comedy. Like this is like the moment at the end where like it looks like he's running towards her. Like we'll be together. 
Sure. I, I. That's um, how I interpreted the scene is that he's running to be with her. I immediately read it as he's like smoking a cigarette and he has like a, a detective aha moment where he's like, she was playing me. I left her alone with Barney. And it was like kind of like the the end of Usual Suspects. Dropping like, the mug at the end of Usual Suspects. And he's like, oh my god, she was trying to seduce me. But I could totally see it being like a he's rushing off to the jail to hook up with her. Yeah, see, I mean. I could 100% see that. I, I, I thought about your possibility too, but I don't see how smelling the perfume on the collar would lead him to that conclusion. Right. If anything, it's more like the Mike y- Yamigato scene in Fargo. We're all like, "What? What yeah. does that have to do with anything?" But yeah. uh, but it it might lead our hero to come up with the right solution. So I don't see how, but I I also see your interpretation as valid. But yeah, it really felt like he was like because he stops right. Like, he's running, he, like, goes to the door to the sheriff's office, and he's about to open it, and he stops, and he kind of looks off, and it's like he's doing, like, a, what am I doing kind of yeah. thing. Like, he's, it's like he's reconsidering what he's about to do, and that's Fuck. when the door opens, and she comes out. It's, yeah, no, because in between this happening, Barney is, she's doing the same thing to Barney that she was doing to Andy, where she's like, oh, no, my my luggage is stuck. Do you think you could help me get it open? And Barney is like a fucking slobbering cartoon wolf. Just like, yeah, no, I'm going to I'm going to get this door open and I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you open it up. Oh, I'm real good at opening things. And He's going to. Uh, is there any, you know, double entendre to opening up the box? There. I mean, I think you just did it. Uh, sure. I, think, <laughs> I, I mean, think... is there is there any intentional double entendre? Do you think is what I mean? Oh no! Was 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 box slang for vagina that, at that, that point? Almost certainly not. But that, it might have been less a double entendre and more of a heavy-handed metaphor. Okay. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. I think that's probably what it was. Is like they were in the writers' room and they were like, the box represents her vagina on a metaphorical, symbolic level. All right, I'm a good fucking writer. Like, <laughs> just some Don Draper motherfucker just throwing shit like that out. Yeah, God. So he, I think you're in inter- base. I forgot that last scene of him like walking in because he's not like, like hump, 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 like arms pumping. I'm mad. I'm gonna catch you. He's like, all right, let's do this. Like he is like walking he's- in very timidly. Yeah, he stops because I think he's suddenly realizing, wait, I'm about to do something fucked up. Like, he's reconsidering it. And then the door opens, and she, like, runs right into him. Yeah. And and that's how he catches her. And, and, but the the cool thing is, she doesn't go, oh, you fucking got me. Damn it. She goes, you sheriff, me prisoner. And he goes, yeah. And, like, like, she doesn't, she's completely unflappable. She just goes, can't blame a girl for trying and these goes cannot and then just like brings her back inside it's so smooth it's probably the best example we've seen and the least offensive to me is but of like playing the prisoner game right yeah like well you mean you knew i was gonna try to get out of this you can't blame a girl for trying whether i'm hot or not i still come from criminal island yeah (laughs) i it is in my nature we are in a scorpion in the toad situation (laughs) I yeah I am from the the bountiful nation of Crime Island. 
Yeah, uh, she was actually Miss Crime Island, 1963. <laughs> She's on the calendars. She's Miss December. <laughs> Queen of Crime Island. She's the Princess Diana of Crime Island. <laughs> so that's really it, right? He drags her back to the cell. Barney gets this moment where like, he realizes what's going on and he looks genuinely ashamed of himself. And they kind of end the scene. Next day is the state police showing up to haul her away. And she's like, ooh. I'm sorry that little old me tried to get the best of you. It wasn't very nice for me to sneak away. Oh, are you mad at me, sexy and, baby? And they're like, no, absolutely not. No hard feelings whatsoever. You We're not even going to mention it. Like you, you tried to get us both fired. It's totally cool. We do not care. And then in like this great moment of like, you know, the monster's hand reemerges and it's like, is it really the end? She just immediately seduces the police officer who's taking her away. And she's immediately like, oh, I get to spend the entire car ride with you. You're so strong. Can you get this box open? And he's like, hell yeah, I can. And it's just basically revealing that she's going to get away. It's really just a matter of time. She's like a mythical figure. They basically just had like uh, the Andy Griffith show equivalent of a god just briefly walk through the show and absolutely kick their asses and walk away. In the Pantheon of Andy Griffith guest characters, she definitely has a has a role. If we're gonna build yeah. like a, a Mount Rushmore of it, yeah, she's like. Did you ever see the Alfred Hitchcock movie Marnie? No, I never saw Marnie. Don't ever see the Alfred Hitchcock movie Marnie because wow. it's gross. There's some very, 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 very sketchy stuff in it involving Sean Connery. But oh it well, does... you know Alfred Hitchcock and Sean Connery were two dudes who were famous for respecting women. Yeah, no, it's like both of their lack of respect for women kind of like merged together and just formed this giant rape culture monster that just tormented Tippy Hedren. Don't. It's a great, it's like sort of a, it's a masterpiece, but also it's an unbelievably gross masterpiece that I'm not comfortable saying that you should watch. But they, she, she reminds me of Tippi Hedren's character in Marnie because Marnie is basically like this woman that is just like a, almost a machine. Like she's just seduce, steal, move on to the next crime, seduce, steal, move on to the next crime. You never actually know how much of her you're interacting with because she's always like, playing she's always every, playing she's she's always she, in the role yeah. she's always playing and calculating and you keep thinking that you're talking to the real version of her but you're just talking to another game again she doesn't even have a real name she's no she's just a character she's just prisoner yeah like, you, you this person this character walks through the show and you have not heard a single real line from her every single thing that has happened has been her calculating this episode is so out of place. It's so noir. It's so over the top in some elements. And I think I liked it. Like, I feel... I, I, I think I'm... I, I've talked myself into liking it. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I definitely liked it. I, I like it more since you and I have talked about it than I did going into this. What's weird is they have done this exact episode beat for beat. Right. With, like, I think it was the Gentleman Crook, where yes. they did this exact setup and payoff worse, but most importantly, with a fancy man who was just very charming and good at card tricks. And we watched it, and we were like, what is this? What are you doing? Why is 
Don Knotts horny for someone that is good at doing card tricks. And it just like, it just basically is like, okay, we're going to do that whole thing because we really want to do a jailhouse seduction episode, but we're just going to this time acknowledge that women exist and people are capable of having sex. Fine. If you guys really want this plot to make sense, we'll acknowledge the fact that people have genitals. I guess. God, the turbulent 60s are really taking a toll on our, our wholesome values. I know. It is uh, It is fun. Like It's fun, but also annoying watching them kind of remix. Like that's, I, I think from here on out, it's just remixes, right? Like, yeah, basically. Andy, the Andy Griffith show has played all of their, their hits, and now they're just, you know, trying to see. It, it's Old Town Road. It's just going to be Old Town Road remixes. For forever, for the next four seasons. Basically, it's it, they're basically uh, modern day Drake, where they're just doing the same song over and over again. Uh, I'm gonna catch some heat for that, but fuck you, people. Drake sucks ass. Yeah. So I'm gonna put it out of. I talked myself into a fucking ten. I love the. I I love the the criminal character. The Otis scene is the shit. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not gonna go as far as a ten, but I do like it a lot. I, I'm gonna give it an eight. On yeah, the, uh, the anti meter. Barney meter. I don't. Again, remember, Barney meter is like measuring permanent damage on America, not necessarily like, oh, I'm offended by what this is. Yeah. So not like, how gross it is. Not how gross and, it is. And we yeah. should both go on record. It's extremely so gross. gross. It's, I think it's we should. So gross. I still have to kinda, give it a four. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's just kind of cover it. Two law enforcement officers come either make very aggressive attempts to or come very close to having sex with a prisoner in a jail cell horrible bad it's uh, so gross like we do not have to explain to you good people why that's deeply fucked so for that i i think i still have to give this a four like yeah again the the barney meter's always been broken but yeah i have to give it a four on the barney meter i yeah i i think i i can't think of any lessons in it like maybe you could say it implies that it's okay to hook up with a prisoner in, in a jail cell? I, I guess you could maybe, if you were being, like, if you were being real nitpicky, you could make the argument that, like, the entire message behind this episode is, bitches, man. I mean, But okay. I can't even really do that. Like, Yeah, like, could we say that the message is, like, anti-sex or anti-women? Is it? I, I feel can... like we'd be trying real hard to do it's... that, and 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 my goal with this has always been like if we're trying to find the offense, like then it's not fun. Like... I mean, I I think really the the thing the best thing we can say in defense of this on the Barney meter is it does not really have a message or yeah. an idea. It's not and, really and... trying to say anything about anything. It's and just... you know what? That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. It's fine to have something that has no message to it. Yeah, it's basically just like, hey, do you want to watch a lady make Barney and Andy real horny? And we're like, I guess. And then it's like, all right, cool. We're done. Later. Bye. Otis was here. See you later. Peace. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. And speaking of things that are absolutely fine and have <laughs> no message to them, season four, episode 20. 420! Yeah. This, is, this is the 420 episode? I'm so disappointed. Oh my god, I'm stone cold sober. I'm so uh, upset. Damn That's okay. It. This, is, this is a disappointment for being the 420 okay, episode. Okay, listeners, yeah. you need to get high enough for both of us. <laughs> like, I'm not high for this, so 
you need to be. This this is the weed episode, I guess. Whatever. Uh, it's yeah. called the Song Festers, which is a weird title. Super uh, weird title. I don't uh, know if that's a reference to something. I refuse to look it up because uh, I'll, this I'll takes check up out the enough of my time. Later. February 24th, 1964, originally airs, written by Jim Fritzel and Everett Greenbaum, directed by Earl Bellamy. And here's your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney's pride is hurt when he is replaced in this town choir by Gomer, who is discovered to have a beautiful singing voice. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what happens in this. This is absolutely an example of one of my favorite subgenres of uh, television, which is uh, we got a guy. <laughs> like, the the entire reason this exists is because Jim Neighbors is a classically trained opera singer. He is a beautiful tenor. He does have a very strong voice. So this is very clearly like, we've got Jim Neighbors. We've got this guy who can do this thing. We're going to write an episode that lets the guy do the thing. In yeah. fact, they didn't even write this episode because this is beat for beat another episode. Completely. They've done this before. They just didn't have Jim Neighbors on the cast before. I. It was at the point where I watched it and I was like, I've seen this fucking episode before. I'm pretty sure I've seen this exact episode. I was like, yeah, it it, it confused the hell out of me. Yeah, no, if any, the big thing is I really respect their constraint for waiting this long to bust out the Gomer has a beautiful singing voice thing. I would not have given them that amount of credit. I would have thought that would be like Gomer episode four. Yeah, so they, they use Jim Neighbors pretty well for this. I'm just going to give us a quick plot summary here, basically. And then we can just kind of comment on it. Andy and the choir are practicing. Barney is singing a big solo. And he's not great. He's not terrible, but he's not He's great. been taking voice lessons since the last episode where uh, he was a horrible, horrible nightmare singer. Yeah. He's been taking voice lessons, which has gotten him from absolutely agonizing to... It's good. It's fine. It's not and, bad. And I guess because like I've made fun of it every once in a while. Like they have Barney sing occasionally, and he's not like tone deaf or whatever. But he's been taking voice lessons from a very ridiculous sort of over the top Mrs. Potts kind of character who is like starstruck and and a little bit deluded. We're gonna get into her. Yeah, and so Barney's been trying this. He has a solo because I guess he's the only tenor in the choir, mm -hmm. uh, and. The choir director, same choir director as last time, yeah. the choir director, John Masters, is like, listen, we've got a big concert coming up. I might have to find somebody else to be to do the solo. He does not say I might have to find somebody else. He's like, I am desperately searching this godforsaken to be town someone else. high and low for someone who can sing that part better than him. I will find them if I have to go into the fucking woods and drag a hillbilly out of there. Later on, they hear Gomer singing while he's fixing a car outside of the choir rehearsal. Uh, John Masters pretty much goes, okay, listen, we gotta fire Barney and put Gomer in. Barney's upset by this. He plays it off. Gomer is, like, nervous about singing in front of people. And then we get a, a scene where... Gomer walks in on Barney, like, sadly singing to himself because he's so upset that he lost the choir solo. So he pretends to have laryngitis. He pretends that he swallowed transmission fluid. <laughs> yeah. It and was like, radiator was like I was fluid. fixing someone's car and like battery fluid th like ran down my throat and now I can't sing. And everybody's like, you're sure you can't sing? And not, oh my God, go to the hospital. What are you doing? 
So he pretends that he's got laryngitis so that or that he can't use his throat so that Barney has to sing. Barney gets up the nerve. He's like, yes, I'm going to go sing. And then he figures out Gomer is doing this out of pity. And then we get a genuinely funny scene. The climax of the episode is everyone gets to singing and they're all raiding for the solo. And the entire choir is holding a note. And and Gomer and Barney just kind of look at each other like, you go, you go, you, 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 you. And everyone does this for a couple minutes. And then finally, Andy pushes them both up. And the three of them sing together with Andy harmonizing. Really, yeah. end of episode. Like Basically. This, this episode, is a fine episode. <laughs> this episode has a very special distinction for me. It's not very good. It's fine. It's like previous episodes, perfectly fine. The distinction it has is everyone in this episode, within the bounds of their characters, behaves very reasonably <laughs> yes. and emotionally healthy. Yes. Like, like I, everybody, like John Masters says, hey, I'm giving you a heads up. I'm going to cut. I'm, I'm going to try to cut Barney from the solo. And Andy says, hey, Barney, I don't want you to get your hopes up. You might get cut from the solo. And Barney says, all right, you know what? I'm confident in myself. If somebody better comes along, I'm going to I'm going to take him to the mat. I'll go for it. I'll defend my spot. But he's not like, how could you do that? And then Gomer sees that his friend is upset and then tries to step down. And it all results in, like, them coming together to sing together. Everybody makes adult-ass decisions. As a matter of fact, I want to put a note here because, like, I actually, at one point in time, John Masters says to Andy, he's like, listen, man, I'm sorry, but I have to think of the group. And what the group needs right now is more important than Barney's feelings getting hurt. And I wrote in my notes, finally! Yeah! Finally someone says it. And to be fair, like, Barney doesn't throw a tantrum. Although, I did think it's a little weird that I feel like Barney Barney was more hurt. Barney wasn't as hurt that he had gotten cut from the solo as much as he was the fact that he was cut for Gomer. Which, yeah. who the fuck did you think it was going to be, man? But like, It was the guy you heard singing a beautiful baritone <laughs> while fixing a car. But, like, it really comes off as him being just, like, anti-Gomer. Yeah, a little bit. He's... I can't handle the idea that Gomer might be a multifaceted human being. It, well, he, they've, they've established very clearly that, they're like, Gomer's the dirt boy who licks the mud off their shoes. He's their little trash goblin and that they enjoy and love, but they do not respect. I will say, though, clearly, though, Gomer has learned some new tricks. Like, he's very much the the mechanic now. He is the yeah. kind of mechanic. And when we first met Gomer, he was very clear that I am not a mechanic. I pump gas. Yeah. So hopefully he got a raise or something. Or no, a sec not. A second box in his closet that he lives in. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 it was almost like... When John Master said the group is more important than Barney's feelings, I was surprised that a sniper didn't shoot him in the head. Like, like it is. And Andy just goes, oh, yeah, you know what? That makes perfect sense. I agree with that completely. I'm upset by it. And Barney's going to be upset by it. But we're all going to talk about this like adults. And I was like, what show am I watching yeah, right now? Right like I, I was like, did I slip into an alternate fucking dimension where this isn't an insane thing I'm doing with my time? I want to talk about the scene where Gomer discovers Barney singing sadly. Because, like, on paper, this is kind of a dumb scene. Like, I've seen it. Seen it a bunch of times on this show. But I like this one. 
The direction is kind of neat. Gomer goes into the practice room after practice because he forgot his music. So he goes back in and he sees Barney and he just kind of steps back quietly, which is somewhat out of character for Gomer, a man who is yeah. not, not really known for picking up on, on situations. So he just kind of sits back and watch. And then we get this like really cool like phantom choir effect as Barney paces the floor quietly because we can hear like the his thoughts or his memory of a choir singing yeah essentially but it's also like there's some tones some tinkly things in the background it's a really cool sound effect and i'm just like this is this is unusual all right earl bellamy pulling out some interesting directorial moves and then this the bit of him singing sadly goes on just long enough for like actual it, it like if it had been a second longer or a second shorter it would not have worked yeah um, and that's why I'm willing to forgive the like. All right, the, the it's pretty very dumb. Cliche. It's 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 dumb. It's hokey. You know, it's already been done on this show a bunch of times. But I like it. Yeah. You know. Let's talk about the ridiculousness of the show, which is the the voice coach yes. who is insane, who is a completely delusional old lady. I that love this is character. Just unleashed upon this show like a fucking hurricane like she's she gets like four monologues they are all batshit crazy where she's like she's like you're going to be the greatest singer to ever live do you remember steven do you remember robert costas when I met him, he was just a mechanic, and now he's singing on the radio every single night, and that's going to be you, and then it's going to be off to Hollywood, and you're going to be a virtuoso singer. And, like, I was just waiting for the part where she starts, like, calling him her dead husband's name and shit. <laughs> like, she just is, like, she goes from zero to disassociative episode in, like, five seconds. It's awesome. So, a, a couple of notes about the, uh this woman Rada shaw who plays eleanora poultice the such a good name right eleanora poultice is the name of the character this woman was also in the ghost and mr chicken with don knotts but more importantly we've seen this woman before dan this was big mod tyler from the uh, from the woman hunt episode holy shit yeah the, the the episode where she kidnaps barney and she kidnaps barney and and Floyd. I think this is the woman that I said she looked like in that role. I said she looked like Ma Fratelli from the Goonies. Yeah. 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 So she's good, man. She's, she's great from scary to crazy. She's <laughs> great. And she's like, she's playing like a prim and proper lady, but is also this like a whim, a whimsy of delusion. She, she gets this like really long bit where at the end, after the th the trio sings where she like bombards them with ideas for what their group name could be she's like we could make you stars you could be uh, you could be uh Gr taylor pile and fike wait that sounds way too much like peter pile and mary uh you could be the three boys you could be called the aristocrats <laughs> the aristocrats uh, thing made me laugh what do you think their aristocrats performance would be like marty are you trying to get me to do the aristocrats here i <laughs> i'm not doing the aristocrats all right, so here's how I think it would be. <laughs> so Barney, Gomer, and Andy all come on stage, and Andy starts singing What's New Pussycats. <laughs> hold on, hold Gomer, on, hold on, everyone. Gomer takes hold on, off I his pants. Hold on, I need you all to know, because I can see Dan and you can't. You've written this down. Yes, like, I He's have. looking at his screen. He's reading this. All right, continue. Uh, well, Gomer take off... <laughs> 
While Gomer takes off his pants and Barney Barney starts chewing on the skin balls and with his free hand, he sticks his thumb up Gomer's and starts thumbing out each time he holds the thumb up to Gomer who's and then Barney goes back down to pull Meanwhile, Andy transitions into I did it my way and pulls out his then he starts just really until the skin starts to slough off and he just has loose handfuls of then he starts just flicking it at meanwhile Opie comes out on stage and he starts Barney's face while he just sucks and then at the end they say the aristocrats I I think I think that might be how that goes. How did you fuck up the landing on that, dude? <laughs> I don't remember how, how did you it fuck is. up the landing of the aristocrats? And Can then you... the talent agent says, "That's a hell of an act." What do you guys call it? And then they yell, "The well, aristocrats." Well, it doesn't fit into the framing scheme. <laughs> Give me some, cut me some slack. Seven out of ten. Because she also said up top, "The aristocrats." So the framing device doesn't work there. Just get off my nuts. What, there is another joke in there that's really fucking good, and that's, they're talking about other potential replacements for Barney, and Andy just goes like, well, there's Mr. Johnson, but he can only sing uh, falsetto when he's been in a fight with his mother the previous night. That's fucking good. Like, a really good kicked-in-the-nuts joke. That is a good kicked-in-the-nuts joke. There's one other thing about this episode that I want to talk about. Uh, and that's the fact that Andy Griffith's real-life wife shows up in this episode as one of the choir members. At the very beginning, right, there's Barney singing this song, and then he steps back, and the choir master is like, Barney, you were a little flat at measure 18, and you, Susan, you came in just a little bit late, and she says, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Masters. And that's it. That's Andy Griffith's real-life wife, everyone. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I, he has a, an expected amount of chemistry with her. I mean, listen, this woman looks miserable to be on set. Like, I know yeah. I'm just reading into facial expressions. And you wouldn't pay any attention to this person if not for the fact that I knew from the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki that it was Andy Griffith's wife. And also, like, there's no reason for this character to have a line. Like, there's no yeah. reason for her to say anything. So it's very clearly just done because it's Andy Griffith's wife. And she looks miserable. Yeah. Like, maybe she just found out that her husband was having an affair with the woman who plays Helen Crump or something. Which Entirely is Entirely possible. And is, she was like, I'll keep you, but you're putting me on that fucking show. Which is a real thing. No, I feel like she didn't look like she wanted to be there. Man, I don't know what the deal is with it. And I wish I didn't know. I, like, I wish I didn't know that that was Andy Griffith's real life wife. It's, can we? talk about it's fucking crazy we're so far in and andy griffith has yet to have a single bit of chemistry he's had chemistry with like one lady out of like 45 the one woman that, that was on his show. high school girlfriend which i still yeah. i still go to bat as being the best episode we've done so far like and i i think it has to be that she was doing all the heavy lifting on that like it must be i'm sure if we go back to the tapes we'll say like yeah that was all her but the thing is andy griffith does not have we've seen him have chemistry with women it's just when he's being an absolute psychopath That's true. like all the times when he's had like like uh, a, a a rapport with female characters has been in like a face in the crowd when he's a like 
slobbering psychopath. So it's so weird that when he's this guy, he just cannot get anything going with any woman that comes on screen. The other thing I want to talk about with this episode is, God damn it, man. If you want to do a Barney's bad at singing episode, you have to make Barney actually bad at singing. Right? Like, yeah. Like, John Masters sitting there going like, oh, Barney's terrible. Is he? Because it sounds like he's just like, like, he's on key for the most part. He, his voice isn't super strong. I mean, his voice doesn't sound amazing. But, like, he sounds... They picked, like, the perfect amount of off to just be unpleasant but not funny. Like, I'm not yeah, enjoying like, I'm not enjoying listening to this, but he's not so bad that I'm laughing at it. So... He's, yeah, they, but they what did is a Barney this? is bad at singing episode before, and it was... They actually made him bad at singing. And, and I guess it does make sense in continuity because, like, he sounds like a guy who was really fucking bad at singing who has been taking intense vocal lessons. It's not particularly funny. <laughs> It's just like I can't throw stones at the singing performance because I can't sing for shit. Like it's karaoke singing. Like it's le- it's moderate karaoke level of singing ability. Let's not try to belabor the second episode. The second episode we got all the juice out of it. Yeah, for sure. It, it's fine. It's fine. Um, uh, it, we're giving ratings like seven. Like I don't know. Five and a. Yeah, seven. Too, a... Seven's too high. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a five and a zero. I think a zero. Yeah, I can't like, think of a like single. Nothing. It's a perfectly fine episode, and I guess Dan, I guess the we now have the answer to why can't these people act like human beings? Because when they do, it's fine. They got nothing. <laughs> no they comedy. Have, they have nothing. It's kind of refreshing. I kind of like it. I was like, all right, just do this from here on out. Just do this. But make it funny. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Like, you did it. You made the plot of the episode stop pissing me off. Now do jokes. <laughs> now take that and put the jokes on it. And then you have the Dick Van fucking Dyke show. <laughs> That's what you invented. You're almost there. You Yes, you have almost, you have almost created what television was eight years ago. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you have almost reverse engineered a functional TV show. Congratulations. I look forward to your progress when you have a, like an actual good episode of television in like the year 1986. So that's God. it for us. I gave us the prompts up front, but again, breakingmayberry@gmail.com, Twitter, breakmayberry, Facebook if it doesn't crash forever. We're we're actually opening up a new private uh Facebook group. Look for Breaking Mayberry fans. Answer a few questions, and if we determine that you're not a psychopath, we'll let you in our group. We'll be deleting the Facebook shortly, the Facebook page. But this is your this is your notification. Get in on that Breaking Mayberry fan group action. And I was actually going to post stuff on there today, but then Facebook died. <laughs> We've been just, like, living in this post-apocalyptic hellscape of post-Facebook and everything. Man, for about 12 hours today, we were a better society. <laughs> Music you heard, music at the end, is Max Ludwig on Twitch as Sleep Talkie. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry to give us money to do cool things with. So, yep, join our Patreon. We just hit a goal, and future ones are coming up where we will do Andy Griffith-themed D&D and a bunch of other cool shit. You can also join our Discord through it, which is a collection of some of the uh, nicest people I have ever met. <laughs> uh 
people who are genuinely fun to talk to, which is a rarity in this day and age. Yeah, and you can also suggest episodes for us to watch. Most recent one is Mount Hideaway Mysteries, X's and Onos, a movie that broke both of our televisions. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, get on us there and give us money. That's it for this episode. We'll see you all down at the fishing hole. Oh, <laughs>